0: Villa's Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go, to know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. It's good to be up here this morning as we close out our series in the book of 1 Timothy, Sound Doctrine and the Church. But we have to remember what Pastor Matt preached last week, Before we get started, he preached a sermon, The Good Fight. And if we want to fight the good fight as Christians, we must do these things. We must flee from sin. We must pursue holiness. We must fight for the faith. And we must confess Jesus as our king. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, uh, we pray for that hurricane, wherever that's going to go. I just wanted to bring that up this morning as well. Uh, Lord, that thing's going to be a monster wherever it goes, but we just pray for whoever's in its path, Lord. Uh, But right now, we just want to prepare our hearts to receive your word, and we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's play a little game this morning. Are you rich? Many of us would answer, well, obviously not, or some of us might say maybe a little bit. Check out with this world wealth study that was done in 2018. Now this is compared to the whole globe, not just in our nation. Do you have 2,200 dollars in assets? That's not cash. That's just if you sold everything you have today, could you come up with 22? that's 2,200 dollars? Congratulations, you are in the top 50 percent wealthiest people in the world. If you made. last year, that's $1,500, if you made that for the entire year, this study says that you are now in the top 20% of world income earners. So they kind of break it up into assets and and what people make a year, and they kind of combine that together to get a good idea of, of what that looks like. Now, how about this? If you have sufficient food, well, I think most of us do, decent clothes live in a house or an apartment, have a reasonably reliable means of transportation, even if it's a hooptie, okay, you are among the top 15% of the world's wealthy. It doesn't seem like much compared to us Americans, does it? We're in the top 15% wealthiest people in the world. If you have $61,000 in assets, that's your car, your house, jewelry, of everything that you own that has your name on it, if you can acquire 61,000 in assets, you are among the top 10% richest uh, people in the world. If you earned, this was uh, pretty staggering to me, if you earned $25,000 or more, I think that works out to about $12 or $13 an hour. I don't know, I'm not a mathlete. $25,000 a year or more, you are in the top 10% of the world's income earners. If you have money saved, a hobby that requires any equipment or supplies, and yes, that counts as gaming, guys, a variety of clothes in your closet, two cars of any condition, and live in your own home, you are in the top 5% wealthiest people in the world. If you earn $50,000 or more, you are in the top 1%. That's pretty amazing. If you have $500,000 in assets of any kind, that's your house, your car, everything, which a lot of times the houses in Southwest Florida these days are, are almost up there, you are in the top 1% richest people in the world. So why is it important for us to hear this, these uh, statistics this morning? Well, I hope it brings Perspective. Because most of us do fit into that 5 to 1% richest people in the world. We're so blessed to live in this country. The opportunities we have to acquire wealth, education, everything at our fingertips almost. It's funny though, if you watch the news, they'll tell you that most Americans live below the the poverty level. I guess if we're comparing ourselves to billionaires, then yes we do. Here's the point. Even if it feels like as, as a culture in America, we don't have a lot to give. We don't feel very rich sometimes. A lot of us live paycheck to paycheck, you know, or have to uh, rely on other means, you know, for, for our, our livelihoods. But as we, we step out and we look at how we compare to the rest of the world, the rest of the world gets by on a lot less than we do. If we really looked at our resources and how we spend our money, You know, the $8 lattes, you know, the $600 iPhones. If we really looked at our our resources and reevaluate, I think we would find we have a lot more than we need. In today's closing remarks in the book of 1 Timothy, Paul tackles these two final subjects. He says, first, how wealthy Christians should view their wealth and themselves in the church. And the second part, he adds, which is something way more valuable than wealth, God's truth, and how that compares to worldly knowledge. In both cases, as Americans, we are blessed with an extreme abundance of both of these things. And that's exactly why the title of today's sermon is Faithful with Much. Faithful with Much. Not only... We as a nation are blessed with much wealth, but we have been blessed with much knowledge. We have the opportunity to become wealthy in this country, even from meager means. You have the opportunity to go and learn almost anything you want to learn. Think about that. Think about the opportunities that we have. However, we'll see uh, this morning there's a right way and a wrong way to view those things. So let's get into our text this morning. We'll be in the last five verses in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, 17 through 21. You can read in your Bibles or follow along on the screen as I read. Verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you, avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. If we took these five verses and we boiled them down into one main idea this morning, we would get this. Our faith is in God alone, not wealth or worldly knowledge. Our faith as Christians should not be in wealth or any kind of worldly knowledge. It should be in God alone. Apparently, Paul thought this was so important. This is how he closed the letter to young Timothy, who was the leader of this church. Wealth and worldly knowledge are not bad in themselves. They could be, you know, great tools. They could be very useful. But something happens when they become idols. That's where it turns. And an idol being anything you put your faith in more than your faith in God. Let's break these verses down to see why this main idea is true. Going back to verses 17, 18, and 19. How are we to view our, ourselves as, and our wealth according to the gospel? As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do... To do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. The first thing we see this morning is if you are a wealthy person and you're in the church, do not let it go to your head. That does not make you better than anybody else. It's, it's funny in our culture that we attach the value of a human being a lot of times to their bank account or how much they're worth. I mean, we see it all the time, especially with celebrities. You'll, someone, some talking head will get on the news and they'll be talking about a subject and they'll like say, oh, this celebrity says this about this. Why would we even care? Because they have money or because they're famous? They might not even have any idea what they're talking about but for some reason, we'll put stock in it because they seem to be filthy rich or they're famous. It's nonsense. And again, it's not bad to have wealth, but you cannot let your wealth go to your head. Why? As it says in verse 17, riches are uncertain. Riches are uncertain. Think of the great stock market crash in 1929. You had people that were so wealthy... They just thought that their lives were just going to be that way and everything was great and nothing could fail. In one day, they lost everything. Many of them taken their own lives because of that. Where do you think their hope was? Locally here in uh, in this area in in the early 2000s, we had a little bit of a crash of our own. I saw people with flourishing businesses that were millionaires on paper very, very quickly lose everything. If your wealth is a metric in how you value yourself and others, it's silly. It's it's fleeting. It can disappear at any time. And what's even worse when we do that as a people, we make it an idol. We put it above God and we say, you know what? We don't really need God. I have wealth. I have money. I could just, you know, do anything I want. Or we look down on people because they might not have what we have. Our value comes from God. It does not come from wealth, and it does not come from fame. It comes from God alone. And if your only true hope is in the future, is in wealth, it's wrong. Our only hope for the future is in a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Now listen, money can sometimes bring comfort. And unfortunately, but fortunately, we need it to survive in this world. Again, it's, there's, there's nothing intrinsically bad about it, but if that's what your, your hope is, and, and that's where you're looking to have a good life in, in this world, it's, it's in the wrong place. Especially when we're thinking, we're, we're talking about things that bring us joy. The world says, the word says, I'm sorry, in verse 17, God provides us richly everything we need to enjoy God provides that. The world says stuff like this. Listen to these two um, uh, sayings that uh, I, I heard recently they're pretty funny, I think. Uh, it says to those that, that say money can't buy happiness, you never owned a jet ski. in Southwest Florida, you hear that a lot. Or if I have to cry about something and sob i 'd rather cry in my Ferrari. I mean, you, you hear these things, and, and it 's like, okay, you know that. jet skis are fun. I I think that could bring you joy. And yeah, I guess if I have to cry, I I wouldn't mind crying in a Ferrari. Um, But neither of these things are actually true, right? I mean, jet skis break. Uh, We owned a boat some time ago, and they say the the two happiest days in a boat owner's life is the day he bought it and the day he got rid of it. So those things are a big hole where you just throw all your money. Jet skis break. And I could promise you, if There's something that happens to you in your life where it's causing you to sit there and sob. You're not going to care if you're sobbing in a Ferrari or a 1973 Gremlin. It just doesn't matter at that point, does it? God's word says, be rich in giving and doing good works. Instead of trying to store up riches here and worrying about what you have here on earth, it says, be rich in giving and doing good works. You know, it is, it, is, it is odd. God does seem to bless more people than others. I mean, it's true. You know, To some, he gives much, and, and to some, he doesn't seem to give that much. And uh, I don't know if we'll ever really be able to answer that question here on earth. But here's what we do know. If God has blessed you with much, he has also given you great responsibility. God certainly gives us more so that we can give more. It's a biblical principle. God doesn't make a Christian rich so that we could just have more or be more comfortable or go on more vacations. And and, and again, there's nothing wrong with doing those things. But he gives us more so that we can help give towards the work of the gospel. That is why God blesses a Christian, especially with wealth. In verse 19, in, in fact, it says, storing doing good works, storing up treasure. We're storing up treasure in heaven. Do you guys realize that one day we will be judged by our works here on earth? Now don't get it twisted, not for salvation. But we will be judged by, I think first, as, as Christians, what we did with the truth of the gospel. But also, what did you do with the wealth that God gave you? What kind of works did you do? What kind of things did you do to further the gospel message on earth? Because really, that's why we're here. Amen? Amen. You want a rich life? Use your wealth to bless others. And I can promise you, you will live a fulfilling life. Not just here on earth, but for all eternity. So maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, okay, I I get this principle. Uh, I've had this thought before. Lord, if you just let me win the lottery, think of all the people that I can bless. Right? Or just if you have a rich relative, just drop off, you know, a giant check at your house. Just think of all the people that I can bless with that money. Well, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 16, We find Jesus teaching that the one who is faithful with very little will also be faithful with much. There in context, he's speaking about a servant and a master. But really, isn't it the same principle here? We're servants of the Lord and we're stewards of what God has given us. Maybe God has not blessed you with much because you have not been faithful with what he's already given you. That slapped me in the face this week. So when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to me. And remember, living in the United States, we're probably in the top percent, small percent of the wealthiest people in the world. This brings us to our first point. We are not to idolize wealth, but use it to store up treasure in heaven. We are not to idolize wealth and we're not to rely and put our faith in wealth, but we're supposed to use it as a tool for good works to store up treasure in heaven. God alone is the is the one that could supply what we need for joy in this world. If we have faith in that, our money's not so important. It's still important. We still need to buy food and pay for a place to live, but it's not as important as we think. And of course, that reminds us of our main idea. Our faith is in God alone, not wealth or worldly knowledge. Well, speaking of worldly knowledge, there's a saying, knowledge is wealth. And I say the truth of God is worth way more. As Paul says, kind of closes this book down. He warns Timothy not to get caught up in the knowledge of this world. He kind of shifts gears. Don't get caught up in the knowledge of this world, especially when it contradicts God's word. He says this in in verse 20 and 21, "O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you, avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge." For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. He's saying, Timothy, you've been entrusted with the most valuable thing on earth, and that is the truth of God. There's this gentleman, you may know who he is. His name's Jordan Peterson. Uh, he's a Canadian. We won't hold that against him. No, I'm just kidding. He's a world renowned psychologist, professor. He's a media personality. He gets paid lots of money to go places and speak. He's extremely intelligent. He's highly educated and a very, very, very wise man. I love to hear him speak. He is openly against the ideas, most of the ideas that are being shoved down our throats uh, these days. Things such as progressive feminism, critical race theory, gender dysphoria, and the all-out assault on free speech. He's against those things. And it's not just because he's, a, he's against these things because some political piety where he just wants to you know, believe one way because that's what his party believes. He actually believes that these ideas are terrible ideas. They're devised to divide us and to control us. He also makes a good point how these ideas go against the very nature of how human beings were created and designed. Think about that, created and designed. That's true. He'll even bring biblical principles into it and talk about how the truth of Scripture is an endless wealth of knowledge for living in this world. However, he's not exactly a Christian. And we have to be careful when we put stock in in, in people that seem to have the same ideas we have. He believes that the truth of the Bible is a good prescription for good living, but last I read, he is not ready to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. My point being, he could be right about so many things, and he can even reap the benefit from following God's principles for living but possibly missing out on the most important thing, which would be eternal salvation. I'm not really sure where he is with his walk today. Who knows? That's between him and God. But I do pray that at some point he places his faith solely in Jesus for salvation. Listen, man's knowledge can only bring you so far. It can Even if you are the the brightest and the smartest and the best at what you do, it can only bring you so far, even when you throw a little Bible in there for good measure. Paul warns Timothy here, Timothy, be on your guard. Guard the truth of the gospel. There are so many that have come through the human history that believe the teachings of the Bible are great practice for good and healthy living. But church, is that what the Bible ultimately teaches? Does the Bible ultimately just teach us to live healthy and good on this planet? Absolutely not. The ultimate teaching of the Bible is how God can make us right, us hell-deserving sinners, through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. That is the whole point of the Bible, cover to cover. And if you're missing that, and you're taking the knowledge of man and you're you're placing it above the knowledge of God, you're missing out on the most important thing, which is salvation. This life is like a grain of sand compared to every beach on this globe compared to eternity. It's it's so minute. Eternity is so huge compared to that. It brings us to our second point. Faith placed in man's knowledge over God's word is misplaced faith. At any point, your faith, if it's placed in man's knowledge over what God's word tells you, it is misplaced faith. As we begin to wrap up, I just want to read something that Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24. It's not going to be up on the screen, so just listen as I read. Jesus said this, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you can't serve God and money so as we wrap up this morning think about that we're so focused on what we want to do with our wealth that sometimes we forget it's not about us it's about furthering the gospel and helping others It's by no mistake, I think, that Paul kind of piggybacks the value of God's knowledge on top of the correct view of wealth. I don't think that was by mistake. Because whether it's wealth or worldly knowledge, we're missing the point if we place either of them over God and his truth. So think about this as we remember our points this morning. The first one, we are not to idolize wealth, but use it to store up treasure in heaven. As I said even a couple times this morning, there's nothing wrong with having much. And remember, according to the world scale, everybody in this room basically has more than the majority of this world. Church, what are you doing with what God has given you? Are you being faithful with a little? Are you being faithful with much? Have you ever seriously prayed about that? I know that sounds scary. Have you ever seriously prayed, God, what do you want me to do? All of your res- all the resources I have are yours anyway. What do you want me to do with them? Have you ever prayed how much God wants you to give? I mean, tithing is not a New Testament principle, but it's a good place to start if you don't know where to start. 10% is not a bad place to start. Have you ever tried God on that? Maybe he wants you to, get you to give less. Maybe he wants you to give more. But the point is, is that we have the opportunity to give. Have you ever prayed about how you can help those in need? I know we have to be very careful with that because sometimes a handout to one person hurts them more than it helps them. But maybe you could pray about giving to a ministry or giving to missionaries that are actually doing the work of the gospel. This can all be really scary when we just kind of just turn everything over to God. I get it. But how scary is it if we truly believe God will make sure we have everything we need to enjoy this life? like we just read. We need to give in faith. Our second point, what are you doing with the riches of the knowledge of the gospel? Because faith placed in man's knowledge over God's word is misplaced faith. Church, we are blessed with God's word. You can pull out your phone and there's like a thousand different translations there's Bibles in this room. If you need one, take one. We are blessed with God's word. I think we're blessed with the preaching ministry of this church. And that has zero to do with anyone standing here. But it's the idea that every time someone's up here, we just want to preach the word and biblical principles. Amen. And you're going to hear the gospel. Amen? Amen. And it's, it is not about us, but it's about his truth. There's a lot of wisdom and knowledge out there in the world. I mean, especially with the internet. Uh, a guy asked me the other day how I how learned to work on a certain machine that I, I work on at the repair center. And I'm like, I don't know, honestly, I YouTubed it. There's so much knowledge out there, and it's so useful. But what about when it contradicts God's word? How do we view that then? No matter what specialist or, you know, or what you know, brainiac comes up with something next. What happens when it contradicts God's word? Do you get caught up in the idea that many have today that somehow man's knowledge has surpassed the the, the knowledge that we find in the Bible? In God's word? Church, that's what many people believe these days. When it comes to things like sexual immorality, gender, marriage, family values, and especially the only way to heaven... Is your default God's word or man's? I hope we realize how ridiculous that sounds when we say it out loud. Of course it should be God and his word. Amen? Yes. And of co- that reminds us of our, our main idea as we close. Our faith is in God alone, not wealth or worldly knowledge. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you that we can place our trust in you alone for all things. Thank you that we not only get our peace and joy from you and not wealth, but also that you are the true source of knowledge for living our best lives now and forever. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email connect at villasgrace.com